<laughs> and welcome back to the Virtus Performance Podcast again. Uh, season four, back in full swing. Um, obviously, a little bit longer of an episode if you listen to episode one of season four, where we spoke to Nick Jakovic about. I'm sorry, I just butchered his name too, but he'll kill me for that letter. Uh, about uh, him, his life, him being a, a sports scientist, an AFL umpire, AFLW, uh, also uh, some nutritional strategies for endurance performance, which we might even get into today. I'll actually, probably need yeah, that. we'll probably get into that. Uh, without further ado, again, my favourite uh, segue into our guest. Today we have Tess Rolly, and Tess, very similar to Jasmine, is under here, uh, under duress. Uh, <laughs> we will get a heart rate check in a minute, because I reckon it's peaking. But Tess is a sports scientist by trade, um, Deacon graduate fellow. There's a lot of us on here now. I think there's a trend happening. Uh, she works out at the VIS. She's a current PhD student working with concussion and ACLs in AFLW, Weekend Warrior, Virtus, <laughs> Virtus, client, confidant, part of the furniture now, lucky Tess, but welcome Tess. Thanks. What's your heart rate? It's definitely up there. <laughs> For reference. Solid what's, 82. What, 80, what's resting? Resting's like 49. Yeah, 82, so we're doubled, that's okay, yeah. we'll, get it, we'll get it comfy by like 15 minutes in. Yeah. My favourite question to ask everyone, my first question, who is Tess? Yeah. Introduce yeah. yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a big question. Um... I don't know. I'm well. Yeah, I guess technically, in the in the terms of who am I as a profession? Yeah, I'm a sports scientist, PhD student. Um, but I guess Tess is a person. Um, I'm still very much figuring it out, which is kind of the whole fun part of life. But um, yeah, I guess I'm just a person that loves being fit and healthy, being around friends, um, learning. Um, yeah, just trying to make the most of every opportunity yes. kind of thing. A very common occurrence when I uh, sit in this side of the table is Tess is way smarter than me and that's why she's here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm smarter in like one area. Yeah, we're going to get into that a little bit on book smart versus life. Street smart, oh, 100%. I'm a lost that. cause. <laughs> no, no one would say a lost cause. Just a flying bird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an innocent soul. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Um, how long have you been at Virtus now, Tess? Uh, I was actually thinking about this before and I couldn't remember because it feels like it's been forever. It actually hasn't even been a year it's yet. It's going to be your first compliment, but I actually think that's a reflection on you. And we'll talk about May too because, you know, two, two peas in a pod. Oh, yeah. She'll also kill us if we don't mention her at least 10 times today. Oh, so. she's probably already like... Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, peas of the pod. Yep. Bit of furniture now. It's only... What was it? Like August? Uh, yeah, I reckon it was like... That was a bit earlier than that. Maybe like July. Yeah, it feels like forever. What's what has been your most enjoyable thing about staying at Virtus or being at Virtus? I think it's just the complete shift in mentality for me around like how I approach my fitness and exercise. Um, before it was very like uh, I'm doing this for to just purely be like fit, like that's all I wanted to do. And now, like coming in here, I've got like you guys that have all this expertise and knowledge around how I can not only move really well in the gym and how to progress there, but then you can be really specifically targeted towards goals that I wanted to achieve. Um, and that's probably what I've loved so much about coming here. It's like, yeah, I'm here to work and I'm here to work for a specific goal. Um, and then I think I'll probably also have to like mention the community that we've got here at Virtus. Like, Yes, I've got my sister, but I've met so many incredible people just from rocking up and having a chat and 
not being afraid to like say hi or have a conversation so um the community aspect is incredible here um and that's probably why I've stuck around oh, for thanks thanks <laughs> for the short time period selfishly why do you train um selfishly uh it's because mentally I know it helps me so much like a lot of my job is very stressful in terms of I'll have constant communication from athletes or from coaches like wanting advice and then I'm also in that mindset with my PhD, like I'm constantly reading and absorbing information and all that kind of thing. So coming in here, I'm just able to completely switch off from all that. And I don't think about it unless someone asks me about it. Like I don't think about it for like, <laughs> like in, in a podcast. Yeah, like, <laughs> in, like in this exact situation. Um, yeah, I just get to kind of like switch off and just be tests for an hour and 15. Yeah, sometimes longer. Depends on who's here. Yeah, it depends <laughs> yes. on who's in the who's in the gym. <laughs> what? Uh, so obviously we're back at work now. Well, you're back yep. at work now. What? What does a what's a normal week look like? What's What's <laughs> Tessa's world look like? Um, I cannot predict my week at VIS. Um, it'll range from like, and especially in the job that I'm in now. Like I'm not just rowing sports scientist. I'm a sports scientist and physiologist across a whole range of different sports now. So. It can be I'm um, presenting a, a presentation on sleep hygiene and jet lag travel for archers who are going over to Europe. Or it can be running a resting metabolic rate test for all of our like combat sports to ensure that they're making weight safely. Um, to then like being down at the river and doing GPS monitoring and race reports or doing a whole day of lab testing like Your favorite. back to back, <laughs> like just smashing them out. So um, yeah, I can't really predict... VIS, which in a weird way I kind of love. It like keeps it really interesting. Um, in terms of PhD, at the moment it's kind of a little bit slow because I'm trying to – we're in that data collection phase where there's whole like participant recruitment. So it's really just like working with clubs, getting them on board, and then we'll get them in and try and get some data. So. What's, the, what's the most – I know why you do both, but what's the thing you enjoy about each of them the most? You mentioned kind of VIS being like the non-monotonous variability. Yeah. Is that like the thing you enjoy the most? Definitely an aspect. I would say um, in a weird way, VIS is constantly challenging me because it's different things every single day. It's like, okay, I may not know everything that I need to know in this situation, but I'm going to go away and learn it. Um, And I think that constantly like putting myself in – that uncomfortable situation is where I get to learn like 10 times faster than what I would if I'm just like sitting at my computer and reading something. Were you always like that or did you have to learn that skill being at the VIS? 100% had to learn it. Um, When I first, so I did my traineeship there in 2020 and the first thing, shout out to Rod Siegel. um, (laughs) The first thing. Yeah. We had a bell, I don't know where it is. Oh, you probably won't even hear that. Um, <laughs> oh, this one. Okay, cool. Um, the first – so he was initially my supervisor there and the first thing he did was sit me down and he just, like, showed me this little, um, I don't know, like, meme kind of thing and it's, like, a big circle of your comfort zone and then a little circle showing you outside your comfort zone and he just pointed at it and he was, like, this is where the cool stuff happens and he's, like, be okay to sit in this zone. Um 
And then when I came back to the role in, was it like 2021, 22, um, I was like lead sports scientist. So I was like, okay, training wheels off, like jump in the deep end, like let's go. And initially I was so overwhelmed with it all. And I was like, oh my God, I'm actually like a sports scientist now. And I've actually got a Got a real girl. Yeah. (laughs) Got a real job. (laughs) I'm a big girl now (laughs) kind of thing. Um, And so initially I kind of put this pressure on myself that I was expected to know absolutely everything. Um, And then in hindsight, it was like, no, I wasn't expected to know absolutely everything. Like I'm out of my comfort zone. But the way that I worked through that was showing that I was keen to learn and not trying to fool anyone by saying like, oh yeah, I know what I'm doing. If I didn't know something, like having the ability to say, hey, like I need some help or I've got a question, can you help me figure it out? Like I learned so much by taking that pressure off myself of being like, you need to know everything. Mm. Yeah. So that was a huge learning curve for me. What was the biggest challenge? I'm just trying to imagine like me being in the same situation. It was like the biggest challenge like getting out of your own way. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like huge imposter syndrome. Yeah. Like, it was Rod who's, incre- like, smartest man I know, pretty much. I haven't and met Rod, but I feel like Rod would be a nice guy to have coffee with, just saying. He's, yeah, he's a legend. And you say good things, so. Well, he loves basketball as well, so. I'm in. Huge. We'll Apparently, we'll that's how I got the gig. It was because oh, I really? liked basketball. <laughs> that was going to be my next part. Yeah. my next part. I liked basketball, played basketball, and then I had a rowing background as well. So, he was like, yeah, let's get her in And you were really good at what you did, golden child from all the courts. Yeah, R- rumors have, have. Yeah, <laughs> I did have a look back at like the trainee like <laughs> acceptance, and it was like has good grades, and I was like, yeah. Um, but yeah, like yeah, imposter syndrome. Like it was Rod, and then it was Arno who was my supervisor for a while. I was trainee there, and they're just two like incredibly smart people, and not just in terms of know their stuff, but then they know how to apply it with coaches and athletes in a really effective way. Um, so yeah. I would say it was me doubting myself, me putting pressure on myself to think that I had to know absolutely everything and have an answer to every single question. That kind of hindered me in the first probably couple of months of being in that role. But then once I kind of settled into it and was like, no, it's okay to be like, hey, I don't know the answer to that question, but give me half an hour to go and have a read and ask some people some valuable questions and I'll get back to you. Yeah, love it. Yeah. Nice. Is what, as leaders, like, what do you, would you say the two, or a few, it doesn't have to be two, like, what are some, like, defining traits that they have that you either really enjoy or learn a lot from, or you've noticed the difference, which is why they're so good at what they do? Um, I would say a huge part is being humble. Mm-hmm. Being humble in the sense of, like, you know what you do and you know what you do well, but then that eagerness to ask people, like, hey, how can I get better? And not having, I don't know, a big head around it in yep. a sense. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I just think like work ethic is such a huge thing in leaders. Like I respond 10 times better to a leader that shows me how they're going to go about doing their thing than someone that just tells me how to do it. Um, so, yeah, being humble and work ethic, I think. Yeah, well, what are some of the things that obviously you being someone that people look up to now, even though you probably don't like it, you have a job that other people want, put it that way. That's what I define as something that people look up towards. Like you have a job that people who are going through uni now want. Yeah. What are some of the things that you're going to take from them and try and apply it to your 
offspring. We call it that. <laughs> trainees. Like, trainees. Yeah. Okay. I would say... What kind of leader do you want to be? I guess it's kind of what I say. Well, I guess, like, I'll take it from the perspective of... So we've just had some trainees starting at BIS. And it's like, I highly encourage all of them to ask questions. Like, show an eagerness and a willingness to want to learn. And that'll, like, take you miles in the industry. Um, Like, constantly questioning, yeah, but why do we do it that way? I think is such a powerful approach in the industry because it's, yeah, we know our stuff now, but there are people that are doing research at the moment that's going to shift everything that we look at. So, like, being ready to challenge ideas and go and, like, seek other perspectives on things um, will 100%, like, separate you from anyone else because you can know, like, all the inf- – like, not that – you should but like you can know like really really specific types about what you're doing in the job but like you want to show that eagerness to push it forward or think of a new way of doing something that no one's ever done before because in elite sport it does come down to that one percent like let's make that one percent change yeah yeah what where's your passion come from for working in this industry of sports science or the wing of sports science what makes it so appealing um it's probably a combination of things. As a kid, I was very sporty. And then when I kind of got into year 11 and 12, it was, I kind of like science and I liked PE as my VC subject. So I was like, okay, this kind of makes sense. Nothing else is really interesting me. So I'll keep following this path. Um, and then kind of now where I'm at, especially in the VIS, it's like, it's working with people like Rod and Anna, Vish and Locke. Like, they're incredibly smart humans that if I just have a tw- 10, 20 minute conversation with them, I'm learning something. Um, and being in that elite industry, it is, you're kind of, you're always looking for that edge. Like, okay, how can I make my athlete make the team? Like, we've been doing the same thing for two, three years. Like, how can I switch this up to, to kind of push him over the edge into getting into that team? So I guess it is kind of that ability to think outside the box that constantly challenges you and then you're constantly learning and so you're constantly progressing and growing as a human, I guess. Yeah, cool. Tell us about Little Tess. <laughs> what was Little Tess like? Little Little Tess. <laughs> little Little Tess was like a nervous social anxiety wreck. Like Ryan from Milk Bar & Co. You know Ryan. Shout out to Ryan. We don't have a bell. Yeah, ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Um... He can attest to this that um, I could not string a sentence together. When did you meet Ryan? How old? <laughs> I was like, I reckon I was like 14. That's horrifying. 15? Some of the shit that comes out of Ryan's mouth, that is horrifying. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was mentally scary. And the other pretzel head that works there, too. We'll get into him in a minute. <laughs> Honestly, though, like, it's weird. I was thinking about it the other day. I 100% would not be the person that I am today if I had not worked at Milk Bar. Like, even... Your two dads. Yeah. Like, they're legit family. It's yeah. so weird. But anyway. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah, I was like... I was so socially awkward. Like, May can also attest to this. I would not... Like, I would not call up to place a fish and chip order. Yeah. Like, I couldn't do it. You still don't make calls. Yeah, I <laughs> hate... Like, I'm horrible at it. And, um... 
But yeah, like working at Milk Bar, I went from like this nervous, socially awkward dishy to like manager of the cafe for like two years and being able to have like easy conversation with an, with anyone who walks through the door. Yeah. Um, and then even like in what I'm doing as in my profession now, like those social skills are so like you depend job. on them. <laughs> it's half the job. Yeah. Yeah. Is have you reflected on little tests and that side of things? Yeah. What what was your barrier? What was your block? Um I mean I had a lot of things or I had a couple of things going on when I was a kid. Yeah. Um and I know that in order to like deal with a couple of them I like threw myself into being that like nerd kind of thing so yeah I would literally like go home and study and that was like in a really weird and nerdy way like that was my safe space yeah there's nothing wrong with that I love learning (laughs) I feel you (laughs) yeah I just yeah that's kind of how I dealt with a few things um and then yeah that's I kind of broke out of that um kind of moving to Turak, um, kind Where, of... Where'd you go before? I was at uh, Mount Mouth Primary. I didn't know that. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I got told to, like, get my eyes checked, which we know is a legit <laughs> yeah, concern well, right now. Again, one of those things we're going to get into in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone's an optometrist, uh, we're going to have an in-house. Because <laughs> Tess my is, name is blind. Tess. <laughs> my name is Tess and I am blind. She can't see shit. Can't see the TV from five years away. No, it's cooked. Whatever. Sometimes reading the program is a bit of an issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is what, what was your favorite part about high school? Um, friends, yeah. and then finding my rhythm mm-hmm. in a in a um, intellectual way. Yeah. Um, I was like, I was the dumb kid at school, like. As it, like as I said, when I was at Mount Marth Primary, I was like told to go get my eyes checked because I was not learning. Mm-hmm. Um, then I moved to Turak in year five, and like, yeah, I was in like I had to go and do additional work to yeah. to essentially catch up. And I don't think it was until like year nine or ten when I actually started to click with what I was doing. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, that kind of like saw me through. Um, and then in terms of friends, like, um, I had a, I was really lucky to find my feet in a really good group of girls, um, that were just like super supportive and fun and yeah, like just love them. Nice. I I can relate to that, like dumb kid to an extent too, because I I was thinking about this before we had this conversation. I think I was very similar. Like I actually didn't really think I found my brain until like year 10. Yeah. But I think that was more like an effort thing. Like I was, always, I was always a sporty kid. Like yeah, I got. I'm a little bit more coordinated than you. <laughs> a little bit. Another <laughs> I issue. I can catch a ball. <laughs> I can catch a ball. So like, I think my safe space was like sport and pee and like mm. sign off for every sport. Go yeah. out on like. I think my escape was going out on sport. Yeah, because it's like and the I, thing that you know that you're good at. Yeah, hundred percent. Well. And yeah. I think like even through like VCE, like I missed that shit ton of days because of sport. <laughs> But I still somehow found a way to like work it out. Yeah. And <laughs> lots of my uni students' friends don't like me for this, but I can kind of just like work it out. Mm. I don't know if it's that's like an adaptive thing from like a neurological perspective, but like I think my brain just like changed when I was like year 10. Yeah. Because I, I don't enjoy book reading 
to an extent mm. because I struggle one to read the paper. Full stop. Yeah, you really like my backwards. brain. Yeah, my brain works backwards as that well. So that baffles me. I know. So that that I think that really threw me off. But I don't know. I feel like I just worked out a way to just like work it out. I don't know how to explain it, and I don't think I'll ever will know how to explain yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know either. I enjoy learning and getting smarter, but at the same point, I don't. It's kind of mm. weird. Like I don't enjoy like the traditional learning. Yeah. See, like. I, that's why it was so strange at Mount Martha because I was like an avid reader. Yep. Like I'm a huge reader. I love it. Um, hence why I love like all Lockie's books. <laughs> safe space. Yeah, this comfort is comforting. Comfort bottle safe space. <laughs> um, yeah, like I can read and I can – like I love it. But it just wasn't translating into what school was looking for. Yep. And then I think it might even just be like – when you get into your 10, 11, 12, like things become a bit more practical. Like you can see how you might be applying stuff. Like, no, I've never used Pythag or whatever, but <laughs> I can see the skills that I learned back in school in terms of studying that have like held me yeah. in good stead for what I'm doing now. Yeah, I think I think mine comes from like a like processes and systems. Mm. I think I just work out the path. Because yeah. I haven't read a book since grade five. Like I'm not actually <laughs> kidding. It would have been one of those... Oh, it's like those horrible discoveries books, the kids' ones that are like about history because I really enjoy history. Yeah. For some reason, I don't know why that's an important detail, but anyway. <laughs> I haven't. I didn't read any of my year 12 books and I got like a 38 or 39 in English. So like I think I just worked out the process of like what you want me to do and that relates to that. So let's just join them together. Yeah. Like I don't, yeah. I don't know. And even now, like it's not a thing that this is not my safe space. Yeah. <laughs> Lucky kids buy me books as presents and I just keep putting them in the corner, <laughs> which he hates for. He writes little notes though, so I'll keep them for that's the notes. Cute. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Like I can read research and stuff for that and I think that's obviously because I'm just interested in it. Like I want mm. an outcome from it. I also think that... Do you just read the abstract though? No, no, not at you all. No, I actually thing? like reading like the method part. Like that. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so I think I'm... I don't know what it is and someone smarter than me can tell me this, but like I think my brain is just systems and process driven now. Oh, 100%. And you, like, find your groove. Yeah, 100%. I just, like, pick things out of it, and I, I can't explain it. And especially, like, running an internship program here, everyone's like, oh, how do you do this and that? And, like, oh, how'd you come to that? I'm like, honestly, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yep, pretty much. Just kind of, like, picked it out. You know there's, like, movies where there's, like, a bubble above you, and it's kind of, like, joining the dots, and then there's, like, all the maths everywhere? That's yeah. kind of how my brain works. Yeah, so it's like the monkey for, like, <laughs> a solid half hour, and I'm just, like, Huh. Yeah, I can see that. I can yeah. see that. We can turn that into a, into a photo. Careful. Uh, Georgia. <coughs> Georgia, I know. <laughs> Don't test your monkey. <laughs> I'll Symbols. stop buying you yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> um, what would you change about education, high school-wise? Um, For someone who's very smart now. Yeah. Well, oh, now. You are very okay. smart. Don't, you? Don't let me stroke the ego even more. You are very smart and you have done lots of studying and lots of educating of yourself and others, what would you change about just the system, I guess? Um, I've had this conversation a little bit with um, with Luke, uh, Luke Fish, shout out. Um, and I would say, like, I, it's very, like, I've, I don't know how it is to be a teacher as well, but um, kind of picking up on how people learn best and how you can best connect with people. Like, I'm not going to take someone who's going to absorb information 10 times faster by reading a book and make them sit through an hour-long presentation. Or if someone's 
going to learn better from just sitting down with me and having a conversation around like aerobic systems or whatever it is like I'm going to do that I don't know it's just like I'm very much a visual Less learner. black and white I guess yeah like it's be a bit more flexible in how you approach kids especially if you notice that like they're struggling to grasp an idea like rather than just trying to keep pounding them in the same way like be adaptable and think okay this kid isn't learning what I need them to learn like let's shift it a bit yeah, I guess I have a very similar like uh, outlook on that stuff. Is it's like similar working in like obviously you haven't worked. Have you worked in team sport? In what team sport? I'm starting to starting to yeah yeah. So like with like team sport like no not a all never one size fits all. So you have to do different things with different people. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the same process that I take to education is like mm. just because this works for this person that means you need to find a different way to do that. Hundred percent and from working in team sport, that can be a challenge at times, yeah. but it's just more energy and effort, which I think no yeah. one wants to do because that costs money and the education system is so big and traditional. And yeah. Fumble, fumble, fumble. We like we had that exact case a couple of years ago with one of our rowers and he was coming back from hip surgery and in a weird way, it provided us the perfect opportunity to switch things up with him because... Rowing traditionally is like, let's just get a whole ton of volume in. Like, let's do long, low intensity, like endurance-based training. And then we might sprinkle in some higher intensity stuff for like race prep and everything. But like this one athlete, he'd done the same thing for like years and years and years. And it's like, he's not making Olympic teams. Like he's not breaking through that one last step to get in the boat. And so this is kind of like his last kind of crack at it in a sense and so we completely switched the game from doing like that low intensity kind of stuff to like okay let's do some like shock hit cycles like let's throw him in the heat chamber and get him to do some vo2 max sessions like gross yeah it was (laughs) disgusting gross (laughs) and he can attest to the amount of sweat that i had to mop up at the end of each session (laughs) perks of sports science but um it's not all glitz and glamour sorry everyone (laughs) hate to break it to you yeah um but yeah he ended up like making the Australian team in the boat performed really well and he was like yeah I just had to be different like I'm not I'm not like saying that what we're doing in rowing is wrong or anything but there becomes a point where it's like let's actually understand the athlete that we're working with and how they respond to a stimulus and let's train them for that like let's set them up for success in a sense. Like take that additional extra step to understand the person that you're working with. On that note, before we go jump down to something else, what's what are your like metrics or what are you looking at for that stuff? Like to make something specific, what do you need to know? Um you, so can, nerd, you can nerd out a little bit here. Nerd out. Yeah, nerd out, go. Okay. So <laughs> go full nerd. <laughs> I'll go nerdy ish. I won't go nerd nerd. Um but essentially in terms of, I'll stay in my rowing wheelhouse because that's where I've kind of spent the most time. Um, we want to get an understanding of an athlete's physiological um, capabilities or their sort of, um, I can't, I don't know the word that I'm looking for, to not dumb it down, but like their makeup as an athlete. Um, so are they aerobically gifted do they have a huge aerobic capacity or and what's their anaerobic capacity like so 
are we dealing with someone that does have that huge aerobic capacity but they're limited in that anaerobic capacity and therefore should we be training more in that anaerobic capacity to therefore like yank their whole physiology up and essentially get those performance benefits or are we dealing with someone that hasn't done that huge load and we're needing to work more in that aerobic space and improve VO2 max and like all those sort of things down in the aerobic end so that's what I kind of look for when I'm understanding an athlete like what sort of composition that was the word that I was looking for nailed it yeah found it um light bulb yeah it's gone from the monkeys (laughs) to the um yeah it's like understanding the makeup of of an athlete and then how am I going to train that so this is when I kind of nerd out and step into my uncomfortable space and so then I start reading a whole bunch of different literature that's out there and how I can train for specific adaptations also considering what my athlete might enjoy doing more so than um like in like they might enjoy being on the bike more than they enjoy being on the erg or is my athlete do they have like a disability that I have to be adaptable to so that's when I kind of go down that rabbit hole of research and find what's applicable and what I can play with and what I can use um then we do like baseline testing I do my intervention and then I do post testing so was my intervention effective what's the testing look like practically practically um if we're going very generic it could be as simple as like in rowing we do a seven by four minute step test so we could implement that um one of the programs I have max or max Max, like yeah. to max, yeah. Seventh step is max. Yeah. Yep. So it's kind of like a ramp yep. situation. I'm with you. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> Sorry. No, no. <laughs> no, no I was, I'm personally selfishly curious. Yeah. Because I haven't worked in rolls. Yeah, it's cool. I fucking hate rolls. You seen the size of these limbs? I ain't built you for rolling. You should rowing. see us in that final max I step. built for rowing. <laughs> <laughs> There's like myself and Noel Donaldson, who's awesome, awesome. He's like mm-hmm. yeah, I know who that legend. Yeah. There's like Dono just like yelling out his guts and I'm there like, <laughs> go team. <laughs> yeah. Here's the monkey again. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Um, we go. But it's such like, that was a cool experience when I was a trainee. I was like sitting there and I was like, well. <laughs> this um, is different. Yeah. I was like, yeah. oh, we're allowed to yell. <laughs> um, I don't know how to yell. <laughs> yeah. I'm like. <laughs> um, there's like a, a program that I've just done for one of our athletes. Um like she'll be doing a whole like a heap of bike work. So we're going to be looking at like critical power and W prime. And so we're going to do like a four minute max effort on the bike mm-hmm. um, pre and post that intervention. I've done a few of those. They're nasty. Brutal. Yeah, they're nasty. Like first three minutes you're okay. Mm-hmm. But that last minute you're just like cooked. Yeah, it's like the last 45. Yeah. For anyone listening, if you haven't go uh, done one of them, go do one of them. <laughs> yeah, go do it. It's or fun. It's fun. Do this session is also like disgustingly brutal. Is twelve by thirty seconds on four minutes rest. Yeah, and that four minute rest is passive. I could have one of them at uni. Oh, maybe I don't know. I did it like a little while ago, and it was cooked. Like I'm a I'm a hundred percent aerobic. Yeah. So I was just like. See, I like that shit because I'm not. I'm the other way. Yeah, yeah. And it's way more enjoyable. Yeah, it's brutal. You'll just see your watts just go from like here <laughs> to here. Plummet. It's exceptionally humbling. <laughs> yeah, it make, makes a uh, makes a human out of you, put it that way. Yeah, pretty much. Um, 
Can we get a heart rate check? I think we're like 27 minutes in, maybe 28. I'm so cold, just FYI. Oh, I can turn down. Oh, I've been shivering away. Surprise. I, that's a fun fact about me. I get hella cold real quick. Yeah. Just a uh, 78. We're getting there. Yeah. We're getting there. You're making my brain work. Yeah, that's the whole point of this <laughs> shit. <laughs> you do whatever the hell we want. All right, let's make the brain work less. What's a hobby look like, Tess? What do you like to do? Oh, God. I love reading. That's probably my strongest hobby. For leisure or for outcome? Leisure. Yeah. Uh, mixture. Mm-hmm. Um, I delve into the fiction and the non-fiction yep. pretty equally. Top three. What do you got? What are we, what are we oh, working okay. with? Um, okay, you don't have to have three. I, people hate when oh. I... I've got some feedback on this. People say stop saying top three or top five. So top whatever you want. Top whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm kind of like riding wave. I think you're aware of this as well. Um, Matthew McConaughey's yeah. Green Lights. Yep. That was just so good. More Can you give us your best Matthew McConaughey? All right, all right, all right. Uh, it's not bad. It's not bad. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Have you mean. listened to the Calm app with him? No. Oh, go find it. It's, I feel it's like pleasuring to the ear holes. I'll well, tell you that much. Even like Lockie <laughs> was saying that um, even just like the audio book yeah. of Green Lights is insane. So I might just read it again or listen like, to it again. He, he like, one of the intros is like, so hello there. <laughs> and he goes into like, good evening. <laughs> so you need like, like some Matthew McConaughey on this. Yeah, Lockie, sort it out. We need some Matthew McConaughey and less of... Green light. Whatever else is on here. What? Yeah, we don't need yeah, that. Yeah, we don't need that. <laughs> Replace that. We yeah, that's, that's old news. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so... Yeah, green light, yep. Green lights, love it. Also, his podcast... Uh, with Jay Sharma is really good. I think I've got that name right. I sent it on to Steph. Steph. That's all I know. Help. <laughs> Steph! <laughs> she's probably downstairs, actually. Yeah. She I said she'd be here yeah, about four. Yeah, she was like four o'clock. Yeah. Um, yeah, loved green lights. Um, what else have I loved? I really liked um, Johan Hari. I don't know how I pronounce his last name wrong. But um, he was on a podcast... <laughs> Uh, with the Imperfects yep. and then went and read his book Lost Connections and then he's just done a new recent one I think it's like Stolen Focus or something yeah I can't say I listened to that podcast but that might have been prior to my Imperfects listening yeah it's like insanely good and so I guess that's kind of like self-growth area yep. um, which I kind of like just like to take little nuggets from that kind of do you write in your books curiously not in the book, but I've got like a journal that yeah. I'll then like go and write it in. Yep. Yeah. Are you a bookkeeper? 100%. Yeah. Although, yeah, I need something <laughs> like this because my... Oh, green lights. It's right there. So it is. There yeah. you go. Sorry. Um, He's looking over us. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Matthew. <laughs> um, did, you meet, hey, did you meet Simon in his Matthew McConaughey phase? No. Oh, he kept telling everyone he looked like Matthew McConaughey because he had like the long flowing hair. Oh. It was bad. I was. I thought you meant like his phase and like was always watching his movies. Oh, no, no, and I'm no, like, no. I'm there no, now. No. He went into MV Hair, shout out, sponsor, uh, Virtus somehow, probably, oh, yeah. uh, with a photo of Matthew McConaughey and said, give me that. Oh. He didn't actually, but we just tell everyone that that happened. Okay, I'll have to talk to him about <laughs> that one. Address you might not that. see him for a while. Might, oh, might yeah. be having a kid right now. We don't know. Congratulations, Simon. Yeah, by the time this comes out. 100%. I hope so, because it's probably coming be out for a few weeks. <laughs> Poor self. <laughs> but we do, I do have naming rights if it's in two days, though. I'll be Godfather. Seriously? Yeah, I'm Godfather. 21. Mm. 
Yeah. 26. 26 on the 21, yeah. Yeah, we're getting old. Yeah, we are old. You still <laughs> look young, though. Look at me. I got ID <laughs> checked on the weekend. You get ID checked all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you were saying, I had to wear a wristband oh, yeah. to say that I was, like, legitimately yeah. 18. Yeah, that's that's a bit stiff. I so oh, couldn't even tell you the last time I got ID. I didn't even really get ID when I was 18 either. I didn't have a beard, so. Everywhere I go, I get ID. I got ID at a petrol station. Why? She was just like, I don't believe that you can drive. Oh, I was like, oh, really? I was like, I didn't bash brutal. into anything that or crash. That is brutal. She was just like, you look too young to be driving and off your peas. I was like, mate, I'm like 22. That is a hostile. Stephanie. Speaking of the devil, we are just talking about you. Yeah, we were. Oh, Steph, we got our heart rate down. We're good. We were good. Yeah, we're good. We talked about Matthew McConaughey and all he calls the soul. Oh, yeah. Is it Jay Sharma? What was the podcast you sent you? Shetty. Shetty. Yeah. Still don't know, but, you know, he counts. Stephanie. Hiya. As we were, we were just talking about how young Tess looks and how she never gets ID'd. Always get ID'd. Wait. How I never get ID'd, how she always gets ID'd. Yeah. Yeah, we can't hear you. I just look like a baby. That's all I know. Just a baby. I'm just a baby. <laughs> what else do you like to do, Tess? If reading was one. Um, Other hobbies. Beach. Beach. Love going to the beach. What's, love- what's, a, what's a beach day look like? I'm very curious by people's like beach <laughs> etiquette, I'll call it. I like... Okay. So I run just, us through a beach day. <laughs> okay, so I wake up in the morning. Welcome to podcasting. We can talk about whatever the hell we want. <laughs> <laughs> I wake up in the morning. I I don't know do whatever I want to do in the morning. Might go get a chai, go for a run, feel good, that kind of thing. Then I will. I've gotten into this thing where I'll actually pack like a lunch to have down at the beach. Like snacks. love that. Um, huge advocate. Got for like that. full little like my little lunch box. I can be in a little esky. You're gonna Arnie picnic box. Yeah, yeah, it's hella cute. I've had a lot of compliments. You're gonna it. say it's hella kitty. <laughs> I'm not that young. Well. <laughs> um, it's horrifying that we're the same age. Just side note, sidebar. Yeah, it is weird. Yeah, yeah, we're the same age. Surprise! I'm literally the child in the group, though. Yeah, you are. It's like put a leash. You know, there's like huggy bear like backpacks <laughs> and the leash. Yeah. Me through the we're city getting is you dangerous. <laughs> Anyway, I'm going carry on. on an adventure. Tangent. <laughs> um, yeah, and then I'll always have my book, always have like headphones, listen to music, but I don't really listen to music all that much down there anymore. So I just read my book, chill out, go for a swim, stay there for like four or five hours, and then head home. Nice. Yeah, that's my beach day. Nice. Interesting. I just mm. like to hear people's process, you know. Like it's not some that people interesting. Have, no, but some people are so like, I can't remember who I was talking to this week. Uh, last week in the gym about it. it was like they have it go in the water and then they're out and then they do this and then they're f- I was like this is way too much thought for me I'm down there for like 10 minutes that then my ass out of there before I get burnt <laughs> you get burnt playing golf yeah, strong like lobe <laughs> generally yeah <laughs> what else yeah. what other hobbies you got um I'm not trying to lead you anywhere by the way I'm just I'm giving you brain a rest before we dive, start oh talking. okay cool yeah. um <laughs> other hobbies I mean I loved basketball. Yeah. I love watching sport. Ola. I I randomly got in during lockdown, got into ice hockey. Steph knows this. Yes. I like, and it's probably based off when May and I went, 
we like traveled to America and we went to Chicago and watched Blackhawks game. And I was just like, what is this? It's the most entertaining game of American sport to watch. 100%. Especially when you're there too. And people like, they go go off chops like when anyone scores. And I'm like, yeah, this is what I'm about. And I I don't know, I was thinking about this. I I think it's because there's like Pyrex glass between you and the. Like feel like yeah, you're you just like bashing. You just like glass. pretend you're yeah. You just pretend it's you're in your so own room, good. just going bananas. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So, love sport. Weirdly, NFL cheeseheads. Um, <laughs> uh, go yeah, I'm on the Cincinnati bandwagon for playoffs. So hopefully they get it done this year. Um, and then love Cavs my Cavs. Cavs bandwagoner. I've been there since Love yeah, went there. Yeah, yeah, been there I since love K Love. <laughs> Except the one time when I'm travelling to America, I go to Cleveland, he's not bloody playing. Yeah, he's getting old now, that's why. He's not. He was in like best like sixth man or something. Yeah, but he's still year. old. He can still shoot. Yeah, I didn't say he couldn't he have can said still, he's old. He dunked this season. <laughs> See Cavs bandwagon. I look so defensive already. Yeah. Um, didn't even have to poke the bear. Yeah, I'm so defensive of K Love. <laughs> he's my man. I love him. What's talk to me about your basketball career? Because I don't really know, and no one else really knows. Yeah, basketball. <laughs> Where'd you start? Where'd you finish? Okay, uh, and was it ever a thing? Hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, there was a season. Well, okay, we'll start at the very beginning. Um, once upon a time, once upon a time, <laughs> little Tess went to Oz Hoops, <laughs> and she loved it. Um. Then decided to play rep, so played for Mornington, I think, until, like, bottom age under 14. Go Breakers. Go Break Go. Seeing <laughs> 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 a general theme here, like, Go Pack Go, Go Break Go. It's it works with yeah, it anything. Works. <laughs> um, then I went to – and that's when it kind of clicked that I really loved basketball and I was somewhat okay at it. Um, Which scares me. Why does it scare you? Because I've seen you run around. I've seen your hand-eye coordination. I know you can't see shit. So <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> this is little not Tess. lining up here. <laughs> she had some form of eyesight. Tess had eyesight. <laughs> um, yeah, so I went to Dandenong and played out the rest of my my underage career there. I did have Coached one. Coached or voluntary? Um, to Dandenong was yeah. voluntary because yeah. I... I as much as I love Mornington Breakers and what it provided for me from a startup like perspective, I really wanted to be challenged. Yeah. Um, and that was going to like a bigger club where yeah. they've got those sort of coaches that can really kind of challenge you to, to go down certain pathways. Um, so went to Dandenong, um, really developed really well there. And like in terms of me not being hella coordinated or all that kind of thing. I think it was my, like, game smarts that kind of set me up as a point guard and, like, I was able to control tempo and get through sets and, like, know which set would run well for all that kind of thing. So I think it was my decision-making ability more than my necessarily athletically gifted talents. (laughs) Um, And I had a pretty good, like, aerobic fitness from swimming, so I was just able to kind of, yeah, run out of game and be all right. Um, and then, yeah, I spent one season down at Southern Penn, um, which was like getting poached to go down there. And that was a really challenging year for me. Um, how old are you? you? I was top age under 16s, I think. 10? 
Yeah, year 10 sounds about right. Yeah, so, and that was like completely different coaching perspective and it initially I was like, yeah, I want to try that. Like I want to see how I respond to that. And then I gradually realised that, no, I don't work well in this sort of environment. Um, So I went back to Daniel and, yeah, finished finished under 21s there we won um we won state champs and all that kind of thing like that was that was like top tier kind of thing um there was a time where I was considering like doing the whole portfolio and trying to get over to college and and that but um yeah I just didn't I just kind of settled in with what I was doing and wanted to be more like loving what I was doing and playing basketball and it becoming like a pressurized thing for me to to do really well at and like going into year 11 and 12 like I'd started to kind of understand how I was functioning as a student and yep. what I was doing so I was like let's just do this basketball can be my fun thing my hobby the thing I love to do um yeah if you're gonna compare yourself to someone in the NBA who, who are you as a basketballer <laughs> I'd be I know he, oh he's actually back there I'd be like Dally <laughs> like I'm that I'll just role player yeah, I'll be role player. I'll everyone hustle for one percenters. Yeah, everyone needs their role players. I will work one hundred ten percent on. Please defense. tell me you have a better stroke than him though, because his is ugly. Yeah, Harold can contest to that. I'm so weird. You call him Harold. I still can't get used to it. Harold, yeah, little Harry. <laughs> Harrison Elliott. Um, yeah, no, Harold and I we did um state or we did like some state basketball like yeah, training intensive. Big ball fiend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we I like. I remember that at least. Yeah, he loved this one time band camp when we talked about it. Yeah, <laughs> we bonded. Yeah, um, remember our saxophones and trumpets. <laughs> you guys are so cool. So Actually, cool. I can't talk because I've got the same sort of history. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, we like did some, we like did basketball camps and um, intensive programs together while I was down at Southern Penn, and um, yeah, like I would be the three point shooter and the like hit my shots, and he'd be the guy that would just blow past me on a drive because I can't change direction quick or oh, shit. <laughs> Laterally, not so good. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not a strength. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> All right, I am going to throw some of these questions from the Vertis family, so I'm going to need your phone. Oh, Lose yeah. Sun, thank you. Because mine's filming and I learnt from previous mistakes and now they're on your phone because I'm a big brain player. There's some nice photos of David there. Yeah, I can't wait to see the bread man. We haven't spoken about bread man yet. Bread man. What do you like about David? He... Genuinely makes He's me a very laugh lovable like guy. a man. Yeah. Like, even yesterday, I was like tearing up. Yeah, you were. No, I you was did. like full, like. <laughs> to be fair, gone. we were absolutely giving it to him. <laughs> he was jumping. And yeah, for someone or who trying was, to jump. Yeah, I don't actually think you classified it. It wasn't jumping. Gracefully falling and catching yourself. I don't somehow standing up. <laughs> somehow standing up, I think, is a good answer. Uh, okay, first question. We're going to go with Jordan or Kobe? Who do you prefer? Oh, that's a really tough question. Because everyone goes Jordan and LeBron, so I go the other way. Kobe. Mm. RIP. Yeah, too soon. It's really too soon. Uh, speaking of Harold, we'll, we'll get straight to Harold's, Harold's question here. Uh, trail run debut. <laughs> I'm actually so keen for this, by the way. Trail run? Yeah. I I don't know. The, I haven't done many, but I love trail running. Well, he's a mountain man. Yeah, he's a he's a proper mountain man. Yeah, so, I mean, like I, I feel like I just got to tick off doing the marathon first, and then I can. We're gonna talk about that. Delve into. <laughs> Shall we talk about it now? 
Yeah, get it out of the way. Yeah, let's talk about weekend warrior Tess before we keep going through these questions. Yeah, okay. What, what's your endeavors right now, Tess? Um, to survive. No, oh, um, that is morbid. <laughs> well, survive my training program is probably more specific. Okay. That feels better. It was yeah. one two weeks. Okay, that was br- that was like the hardest two weeks. You're welcome. It's carried building. Uh, we came out alive. Was it like sixty k weeks? No, one was sixty. One was fifty four. Close enough. Yeah, it was rounded. Yeah, up I to mean 60. at that distance, yes, yeah, close enough. Yeah. Um. So half marathon ticked. Tell mm. us about that. Yeah, that was, uh, that was really cool. Mm. Um, it was cool. I even came up for it. <laughs> Go Tess. Yeah, I I white killed. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I've never done something um, like an internal goal before. Um, like that's very the half marathon. You don't know my birthday, do you? No, no, no. It was like uh, oh, okay. screen tapering. So I was, I was like poking it, and then I poked the wrong thing, and I lost it. So we're back. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's like the first time I've really done like an internal goal. Um, a lot of like my sport has very much been team orientated, which I love. I love working in a team, but this is very much like, okay, go run, like go and do it for you. Go and challenge yourself, put yourself in that, I guess that uncomfortable position and see how you go. Um, and I know we didn't like, we trained for it, but in hindsight, like I 100% would have loved to have felt. 10 times more confident in being able to run. Your own ability, because I knew you could do it and some. Yeah. I feel you. I think it's just like mentally, I was like, yeah. I would have loved another month before. under my belt. Yeah, which something. you did not eat at all. Because what time did you run it in? Officially? Uh, 1.45. Yeah, that ain't slow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That like last 2K though, I was seeing like stars. Yeah. Because it was hard and hot and you wore leggings. <laughs> I also, <laughs> we also didn't think about fueling. No, well, we tried to, and then it just we never went actually through it. And like, yeah, it should be fun anyway. She can do well, this. like I was talking to one of my athletes about it, and she's actually asked one of those questions. Yeah. But um, how many of these you memorized, by the way? Uh, <laughs> a few of them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was like talking to her about it, and she was like, "So you've got jowls?" I was like. No. So I had them with me, and if you were battling, battling, I was going to throw one at you. Yeah, seriously. I that's had like why gummy I came, bears. That's why I came and saw you at like the 16k mark. Because like I think she'd be okay to like 14. It was the easiest point for me to like actually get within arms with reach you. Where was 16k? Uh, St Kilda Road, kind of like up the gradual hill. I did not see you there. No, you didn't need to because I was like, oh yeah, she looks okay. Like she's. Oh okay. You can you can tell when someone's like battling, battling. Like oh no, she's okay. It hit me with like 2k to go. Yeah. 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 Um. But I, d- I definitely had gels with me, by the way. Yeah, well, I was... I had all of them. I had caffeine, no caffeine. I had sugary. I had, like, <laughs> Don't sweet. Don't give me caffeine. No, I didn't. <laughs> it was just... It was a, like, break glass in case of emergency kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's good to know that my coach is looking out for me. Oh, I looked after you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did well. <laughs> um, yeah, so... I don't know. Half marathon was really cool. Kind of to see myself achieve that for me. It was really awesome. Um, and then, yeah, I guess this year it's doing the full... Yeah, it is. Yeah, October is already too close for me. <laughs> Plenty of time. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Plenty of time. Yeah. What's your favourite snack post half marathon? Because <laughs> <laughs> um, you absolutely fiend. Oh, yeah. I was very disappointed in the smoothie. There was like chunks of... Yeah, it, was, it, was it wasn't chunky. good. <laughs> it was so chunky. I left the smoothie to itself. Um, There's a famous photo of you having armfuls of snacks, by the way. Yeah, they were, well, Shout it was Shout out Mel Marathon. Yeah, great snack options. 
like there was like chalky milk strawberry like anything like yeah um I loved the weird little like little crunchy things yeah, yeah. I can't remember what they were I think they were like a chickpea kind of thing yeah. and then they had like barbecue like flavoring on yeah. it they were real good yeah. I snuck another bag of those as I was leaving <laughs> <laughs> that was from Jazz by the way I love Jazz uh there's another one for Jazz but we're gonna finish with that one because that's okay. that's a great little segue oh, okay uh Varney who is your favorite athlete Okay, so I'm going to use a... Um, <laughs> and I know you already thought about this one to get around the answering this question, so... Okay, from from that perspective, yep. my favourite athlete would have to be Lenny Hayes. Yep. I like... He's, he's just a legend. Like, read, read his book, and it's just that hard-working, like, work ethic, 100%. I want to know how I can get better. I want to support the people around me to also do the same thing. I'm going to be there as a good friend, like just all around good human, good bloke. Um, and we'll left, leave like nothing unturned in his like ambition to get better, which I don't know, I just find that awesome. Um, and then I'll take a leaf out of Noel Donaldson's coaching book and say that my second favourite athlete <laughs> <laughs> at the VIS would have to be like – I love working with our para-athletes, yep. like Viney and Grom. Yep. They just, like... So, hang on. Who's second? There's two there. They're equal second. <laughs> you you can't up. separate no, the ABs. You can't. You can't. I know. Nah. I wanted to try to get you to, but I knew you wouldn't anyway. Nah. <laughs> nah. Second favourite para-athletes. Yeah. They're just so cool to work with. Because yeah. it's like, yeah, I know my stuff as a physiologist, but it's like, okay, we'll now apply it yeah. to in, like their case they've got their different disabilities that I've got to work within which means that I've got to adapt and I've got to be ready to like jump around and change some stuff up yeah who has been someone you've been starstruck working with starstruck yeah I don't think I've ever no I don't think I've ever been starstruck necessarily um there's been like moments when i've walked into the gym and there's like joey ingles there mm-hmm. and i'm like whoa this is cool <laughs> well, <horsey. laughs> let me just walk slowly across the gym floor <laughs> um but i don't think athlete wise i i think it's because when you're in it it's like that you know them yeah they're like, just normal people there's the Lucy Steffens and, like, the Cat Wearies and those kind of girls who are, like, insane, like, yeah. Tokyo gold medalists, all that kind of thing ticked off. And you're like, yeah, these girls are cool. But it's like you know them as an athlete and yeah. also as a person. So yeah. I, I wouldn't necessarily say starstruck, yeah. but I'm like... No, I, I feel you. You're cool. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. Yeah. And, like, some of the times you're like... Yeah, you're way more scared of me than I am. You would tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, like I could turn around and be like, go on, do a four-minute yeah, max effort. Get on your ass. Yeah, I'll <laughs> be like, on go power. on. <laughs> Let's do a seven-by-four right here, right now. Get back on that erg. Yeah. Um, all right, let's go with one more from the... Gal- oh, there's a couple more, actually, because I forgot about the whiteboard questions. Lots of people are very curious about you, Tess, you see? See, big impact, small time, told you. Uh... Let's go, well, Steph's in the room, so we can ask Steph's one really easily. Uh, do you need Steph to come and hold your hand? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. What's our heart rate at, actually? So we started at 87. We got down to 77. 75. 75. Yeah, we're chilling out. We're comfy now. We're comfy. Yeah, we're, we're good. good. We're good. 62. Yeah, I'm not Just. down at resting. Or oh, 72. Yeah, that's about my resting. I'm like 58. 
All right, let's go. Last question. Let's go one from May Rose. She wrote a few. She wrote a lot. She wrote a few. Yeah. Some we've already answered, so that's okay. Do we tick off the favorite sister one, or are we going to talk about? Oh, I mean, there's like yeah. May and Clancy. Yeah, but like, who's the favorite though? I love them both equally. Uh, fence sitter. I'll allow it. It's family. <laughs> Your dog's pretty cute though. Yeah. Um. Okay, let's go with how do you keep going when it gets tough? Mm-hmm. That was a May question. Yeah, it was a yeah, May yeah, question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the last question from the gallery. Okay. Then we're um, going to shift topics. How do I um I think it's taking strength from what like I've gone through and knowing that if I can get through that then I can get through anything. So taking um yeah, like kind of giving myself a little bit of like, hey, you like you got this kind of thing. Um but then I'd also say when I do start to feel like overwhelmed anxious and all that kind of thing like I literally take a step back from everything and I'm just like okay what do I got to do right now um and then yeah you kind of start to see yourself just like tick those little boxes and um and that can be from a work perspective in terms of okay I just got to do this one report now I don't need to worry about the other 20 that I got to do minimum effective dose yeah and then you like just gradually get it get up the mountain kind of thing um, I think also also from like a personal perspective, it's like I've got little things in place where it's, okay, I'm going to the gym. Yeah. Like that's that's one thing that's like a... You're going to go hang out with these idiots. Yeah, like I'm going to give myself... <laughs> David and Ryan, not us, of course. <laughs> yeah, no, you guys are hella smart. No, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Just less of an idiot than those guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> poor David. Um, anyway. not poor David. He brings this on himself. <laughs> He's so funny. <laughs> you reckon he's going to listen to this? Nah. No, nah, I don't think so either. <laughs> <laughs> Unless I'm like, okay, listen to minute 21, <laughs> 30 seconds. 56 minutes and I don't even know where we are because I don't know where we started. But Hi, David. Yeah. Hello. Nice to see you. Anyway, as you were. Um, yeah, I have like little things where I'm like, okay, like that's my, that's my like anchor kind of thing. It's like, we're going to go to the gym. We're going to get up, make your bed. We're going to, if I've got a hectic day, I'm just going to like lay out what I'm wearing for the next day. And I don't know, I kind of set myself up for success in that, in that aspect. Um, so I've got those little like grounding things where I'm like, hey, if I'm doing this, like I'm doing something. And then it's like from a work perspective, it's like, yeah, just take a step back if I'm feeling overwhelmed. Ask for help. Don't think that you have to do absolutely everything. Um, and yeah, that's probably my... My way of getting through it. Like it. Like it. All right. We are just under an hour in. And we're going to shift topic to topic of the day. So, Tess, we spoke at the start, your PhD. Yep. What is it in? So, I'm going to nerd out now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is so this is where we like, I lured you into a false sense of security. So, where for half an hour, you can actually fully nerd out because this is topic of the day. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, so my PhD is looking at the relationship between neurocognition and sidestep cutting biomechanics in AFLW players. Awesome. Explain that to someone who has no idea what that is. It's seeing if there's a relationship between how your brain works to how you move, yep. essentially. Yep. So for going back a step just before we move on, <laughs> for, for those listening or watching, I don't think anyone watches, but we still filmed it. 
<laughs> Lucky likes to watch they it. They wouldn't have seen <laughs> um, So for season four, we are doing a topic with a guest. So topic today is obviously going to talk about ACL risks and what Tess feels about injury prevention as a term, mm. which I have my own opinions on, but we'll get into that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously highly educated and highly qualified in that area. What made you start in that area? Uh, what interests you about it? I think it was in watching 2017 AFLW comes in and it's just like ACLs. Like just the rate was just insane. Um, And I was with – I went and did a traineeship in 2019 with North Melbourne's AFLW team. So it was their first season. Um. And even there, like, the discussions that I had within the high-performance team, it was like, this is just bananas. Like, we don't – like, we're doing all this stuff, but, like, ACL injuries are still happening. Yeah. Um, and then, so, yeah, 2019 was the same year that I was at um, VIS. And then it came to the point where I was like, okay, well, what do I want to do 2020? And um, I decided to go into research. And so looking through – Deacon provides like this honours booklet with a whole range of topics and supervisors and one of the topics was to characterise um, ACL injuries in the AFLW and I was like, huh, this is a niche area and it needs to be done and it's like from me, from the perspective of being a woman who wants to play sport and want to see, like I love AFL so I want to see AFLW succeed, it's like, well I don't want this to not succeed because girls are afraid to do an ACL injury, so... I was like, I can see where I personally am attached to it and value it. And then I can also see the value from a research perspective of if we can start to understand why these ACL injuries are happening so frequently and understand how they are happening as well. um, That's going to be super beneficial to what we're going to do from practical sense um, in that injury prevention space. What were you always set on a PhD before going into VIS service? Being Dr. Uh, Trolley. <laughs> Can't wait for that day. <laughs> I will be it's changing be so your name good. in my phone. <laughs> Shout out to actually that nickname Trolley came from Patrick Wilson, who was like one of my favourite uni buddies and yeah. still one of my... For advantage now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and is still like one of my closest friends. And I didn't realise it, but like my Deacon username was Trolley. Yeah. And I was like, no, it's T-Rolly. And he's like, no, it's yeah, Trolley. trolley. <laughs> <laughs> Just like stuck. And what do you do every time you go to the supermarket? I laugh at the shopping <laughs> trolley base. <laughs> Those uh, symbols come back again. There's even like in the VIS lab, it's like lab trolley one. And I'm like, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> yeah. Even like Dono the other day pointed it out. And he was like, hey, Tess. <laughs> hey, look, it's you. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I'll ever get old. Yeah, trolley's a good one. I'm happy with that. Um, what, what made you curious about a PhD? Or what made you want to do it? Seeing you said you always wanted to do it. Yeah, so I, I guess the year at um, VIS really kind of showed me that I needed a PhD. Like if I wanted to work within elite sport, um, especially at the VIS, like pretty much your just to even get a foot in the door is to have a PhD now. Um, And so that was really encouraged by my supervisors there. Um, Unfortunately, like they didn't have an honours project to lead me through, like and stay at VIS and do the honours project at the same time. So... Yeah, I kind of went back to what I found really interesting at um, at North Melbourne and it's like ACLs and it kind of all just added up. So 
Um, and then the interest in doing the PhD was like we got our findings from my honours work, but it put, which is typical in research, it makes you have another 10 questions left unanswered. So it's like, okay, well, here's a PhD. Yeah. Um, yeah. From finishing undergrad to getting accepted for a PhD, what's that process look like? Yeah. So, um, I mean, from a deacon perspective, I only know yeah. deacon yeah, sure. process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we love deacons, okay. Yeah, we love deacons. Go deacon, go. <laughs> you're a teacher now, technically. Huh? You, you, you're a teacher now. You're an academic. Yeah, but no one will take me seriously. Yeah, anyway. They're more scared of you than you are of them. No. <laughs> no, they are. <laughs> I don't think so. We'll get over that hurdle one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, do your uh, undergrad. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's sort of like two different directions you can go. You did the master's. Yeah. Um, so, if you do the master's, there's like one unit. Um, that I think you do in like the final semester, yep. which can essentially, if you do well enough in that unit, you can go and do a PhD. Yeah, master's by research. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then, um, or the other option is to do an honours, so an intensive intensive year looking at your area of research. Yeah. Um, I kind of felt like with the masters I kind of had my practical experience from doing the traineeships at North and at VIS. And I knew that I needed a PhD and I was kind of like weighing up, well, if I do a master's, I'm going to get all this other learning, but I need to make sure that I do really, really well in this one topic so that I can get accepted. Whereas if I just focus on doing an honours for a year, it's like I can just focus on that one thing, do it, do it, do it really, really well. And then that will give me a better chance at being accepted into doing a PhD. So they're kind of like the two different pathways. Um, and yeah, you needed that like high distinction in honours to get PhD scholarship, which essentially funds you to do research for three years. Um, and then, yeah, you're kind of like left to your own devices. What's the application process look like? Um, so it's kind of a little bit nitty gritty, but it was pretty smooth sailing for me because my supervisors stayed the same. Um, I would, if anyone is thinking of doing honours, I would highly recommend investigating in the best way your supervisors um, because... I second that. Yeah. Because I like, got the other end of it. Yeah, you, like, need to make sure... Hello, Lachlan. Hi. Yeah, I knew it. Um. <laughs> I got her here. I got her in. I got her yeah. in. Yeah, she went full business. Yeah. I was actually pretty intimidated when I sat down. <laughs> As you were. Um, yeah, I would highly recommend kind of investigating potential supervisors um, because if you end up with great supervisors like what I did, like it's so like smooth sailing, like they will send back drafts, they'll give you feedback, like it's so good. But if you have people that are not as great, it makes it 10 times more difficult. Um, And so that's why when I was considering if I continue doing the PhD, it was like, well, I know my supervisory team. I know that they're 100% awesome and I can rely on them and they're going to support me through my pathway. So, um, yeah, that's kind of the process. You need to make sure that you have a supervisory team. You need to make sure that you have your topic. Mine was pretty pretty much there from my honours research. Um, And then, yeah, you, like, get accepted – 
Uh, you do your confirmation of candy char, which is so nerve-wracking. <laughs> I'm sure you really enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> Character building. Yeah. <laughs> it was like 20 minutes. We're just going to stare at you and 140 listen. 140 heart rate. <laughs> yeah. You should have seen like, the hands. What, what is that for people who don't know what that is? Uh, so I think it was like a t- – so you write up a 12,000-word document, and that's a review of literature in the area of research that you're looking at. Um, so that was me looking into like concussion, cognition, how it works in a performance perspective and also in a movement perspective and then elaborating on like our findings from my honours research. So um, ACL injuries happening in that sidestep cutting scenario yep. um, and then so elaborate all that in a review of literature um, and then you do your research proposal which is essentially saying look these are the the three or four studies that we're going to do in order to answer this question and this is why this study with this methodological methodological say that three times fast (laughs) methodological (laughs) approach nailed it nailed it it. um will work and why it's effective um and then like yeah yeah research aims research outcomes yep so you have that twelve thousand word document you submit it then probably like a month or so later you do a presentation on that document essentially which is 20 minute presentation and there's a panel of experts (laughs) it is so (laughs) nerve-wracking funny story though because I was the first person back doing it in person um but there was still like a zoom link Mm -hmm. so people could watch it and my mother (laughs) she like watched it of course she did (laughs) and then there's like this distinct moment where it's like okay thanks everyone for attending you can now like log off blah, 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 like we're going to go into the panel discussion, like it's private kind of thing. And then I walk (laughs) out of the panel and I look at my phone and there's a message from mum being like, you answered that man's question so well. I was like, mum, you were not meant to say that. So she's just been hovering in the background. I'm not allowed to call her that, but I'm going to call her that. Yeah, Kaza, she loves it. No, she doesn't love it. She does not love it. (laughs) Karen Rowley. Yes, Karen. It's not Karen. No, 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 no. Don't go, don't go there. No, that's don't. worse than yeah, Kaza. Yeah, way worse. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the confirmation process pretty yep. much. And where are you at now with it? So how far in? How far to go? What's the process? Where are you at? So... So we're obviously gathering information. We're, we know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm about a year and year and a bit in now. Yep. So um, yeah, I'm kind of at that data collection point. The fun it, part. Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's it'll be fun once I get yeah. actually get into it and get yeah. my like hands dirty in a sense and I'm running all the tests and get, like actually seeing numbers. At the moment, it's just a little bit um, nitty gritty. Yeah, yeah, but that's okay. Yeah. We've got some promising signs, so <laughs> good. Yeah. What's good. this? Might be a left to center. What do you expect to come from it? Um, I'm not sure if I expect it, but I would hope that it shakes up the game a little bit mm-hmm. or in, it, in that it plants a little idea in people's heads around how we're approaching things yep. or if there's like we know that in knee injuries happen and we typically think about it from the perspective of okay well how are we moving and it's like yeah awesome cool but like the thing that kind of um makes us move is yep. our brain but we haven't really explored that to an yeah. extent and that's essentially what my research is going to um, elaborate on and hopefully 
figure out is yeah. that connection between the brain and then our lull in movement and how yeah. we're loading essentially. What does the gathering process look like? What's what are some of the uh, I've seen some of it. What are some of the tests you run? Like what are the, the things you're looking for or what are yeah. you testing the girls on? So um the neurocognitive testing session, um, it's like a series of five different cognitive tests that are like range from specificity and complexity specificity in the sense of like afl and football task and complexity in terms of like how challenging the task is um so you've got like your really simple like reaction time tasks information processing speed all that kind of thing and then our task that's both high complexity and high specificity is um using this thing called fnirs so functional near infrared spectroscopy um, which is essentially like this cap that you sit on your head um, and it assesses brain activity Um, and how we're going to use that is we'll have the players come in and they'll put this cap on it's like non-invasive so they don't even know what's going on so it just sits on their head assesses brain activity and we're just going to play a video of a player either cutting left or right and they have to respond on the keypad um like left or right whatever way they think the player is going to move so in that we're looking at reactive time uh, reaction time information processing speed and then like also accuracy um but in that really as best as we could like specific um specific sports setting what are the practical usability outcomes that will come from that so i guess left or right doesn't doesn't matter yeah i mean like we're kind of trying to get it from the sense of that's our neurocognitive measure. Yep. And then we're then going to do that biomechanical assessment of knee of that side step cutting task to look at knee loads and all that kind of thing. Yep. And then we're going to try and grab those variables of reaction time and pro- processing speed, accuracy, and see if there's that link between cognitive performance across those tasks and then how they perform that side step cutting task, yep. um, which is also stimulated in that sport-specific setting in that the player will have to respond to either doing like a straight 45 degree cut or a 180 turn back and run or a straight line cut. But it's all in like responding to a video of another player doing tasks and they have to like process those cues and execute that movement task. Yeah. Is there, from the environment you've been in or the things you know about, is there Mm -hmm. something you wish clubs would do differently? Like right now without knowing anything? Um, Right now? Yeah. I would say uh, it's, it's really tricky. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. Because it's not an easy question. <laughs> yeah, it's really like, like I did my honours project and I published that and and then it becomes this discussion around like, okay, so should we be doing more of this? Yeah. Like should we be like cognitively challenging? Everyone wants black and white. Yeah, it's like, and it's like, yeah, you should be doing that, but you should also be doing X, Y, and Z. Yep. Um, and it's such like a multifactorial answer yep. that it's like in AFLW, and you're like highly aware of this, there's so many practical limitations around um, like time with the girls and also they're having to manage like jobs outside of footy and there's like a whole array of things that um, – sounds really bad but like if they were full-time and they were treated both 
athletes and staff were treated in the same way that the male system is treated. Yeah. It's like we could probably reduce this rate like tenfold. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess like that's like the big goal. But baby steps is like, okay, well, if you're doing prep to play, like let's actually do it. Let's do it not just for like one month. Like yeah. let's do it pre-season, let's do it in-season and let's not just do 15 minutes. Like let's actually do it for that full 30 minutes and out. Whatever you yeah. got, like let's actually place value on this program because it's like evidently from my honours work, like the landing stuff, like there's hardly any ACL injuries happening from landing in AFLW no. and that's because such a big proportion of that prep to play is landing. landing. Yeah. But then there's this element of, okay, well, sidestep cutting is now like the predominant like injury movement task. So let's try to increase the amount of sidestep cutting that we're doing and put it in a cognitively challenging environment yeah. to stimulate that reactive nature that they're having to do it in. So let's like tick those things really, really well. Yeah. And then hopefully you start to look at the broader picture around time availability yeah. and those practical aspects. Yeah, we've, we've been looking at a lot of like ocular away running. Mm. So like we're trying to decipher what a task is, we're trying to move in that direction because, you know, we, we do a big review at the end of the year and we spend an hour or two hours just not arguing, robust yeah. discussions. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> around our thoughts of it. But it's it's like it, this that more of that stuff becomes usable when you have 15 people that are on the same path mm. that don't take it personally and can actually have an open discussion around things, yeah. whether that is in person at meetings or, I mean, even nowadays like online and stuff like that, like, it's a part of what we need to do to an extent to help curb the issue of it happening 100%. so frequently. Yeah, and it's, yeah. ne- it's never not going to not happen. Mm. But even like this year, not as many happened non-contact and I can't remember the number off the top of my head, but like there was a, a heat more contact this year. Yeah, yeah. It's like really awkward situations. Yeah. Which from, as we know from like an AFLW perspective, the game is more contested. It's mm. more tackle-based. It's more contact. It's, yeah, it's ground-based. So yeah. yeah, it is. It's more ground-based than... Typically, they spend longer on the ground than their male can- counterparts, etc. And mm. what do we do with that? Well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're working it out. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's like, yeah, we're working it out, and it can be frustrating. But it's also like we're working it out. Okay, let's have some, as you said, like let's have some challenging, challenging discussions with the intent to, like, let's explore Grow. some things. Let's like get in that region of being uncomfortable and trial some things out, yep. um, and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. What do you want to do post PhD, or what do you want to do with it? I don't know you don't like this. You just shriveled a little bit in your chair. <laughs> um, to be a hundred, like to be honest, I'm just enjoying the process of doing a PhD. Yeah. Um, and like I can see myself staying in this research area, but I can also see myself being at VIS or wanting to be more practical in what I'm doing. Um, so I'm kind of like. And I think it's also, I've, as a kid, like, I've constantly been reaching for goals and getting that next thing, getting that next thing and doing all that kind of thing. But this is like, okay, it's a PhD. Like, what do you do after PhD? Like, there's there's no other, well, there's like no other, (laughs) technically, there's no other box that you've got to tick, right? So it's like, let's just sit back and enjoy the process of doing a PhD. And whatever comes at the end of it comes and like, I'll specifically know how I feel about my PhD. I'll know how I feel about VIS. I'll know like all those things when it yep. when it gets there. At least I've got options. And you have so many people that it's not going to let you have a meltdown. 
<laughs> no meltdown, please. No test meltdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what, what else are you interested about from like a, from an AFLWACL? What else piques your curiosity? Um, I'm like at the moment I'm doing a little paper on the side. Yep. Um, actually, there's like two little papers on the side. So one where like looking at that purely unanticipated versus anticipated and biomechanics there. And we had some really interesting findings from that in terms of those. Go into this. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'll do my little. Just path leading. My <laughs> eight minute presentation. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we actually found in the unanticipated trials that the knee loads, so those dangerous knee loads that lead to ACL injury or loading and strain, um, were actually lower in the unanticipated task which is sort of contradictory to previous research in that you see those high knee loads in the unanticipated tasks. Yeah. Um, so in trying to make sense of that, we then like looked through the ground reaction force data and also the approach speed data at initial contact. So we tried to monitor and control speed two metres prior to the cutting area um, and that seemed to be consistent across all the trials. But then when we looked at it at initial contact, so when they're placing that change of direction foot, uh, I think it was like their left foot, um, on that force plate, there was like evidently significant deceleration had occurred. And so therefore they're travelling at a slower speed, so therefore the knee loads are lower. Yep. So essentially like in very layman's terms and very loosely, they're essentially safer yep. in performing that unanticipated task. But considering like previous research and then also the findings of my study in that ACL injuries are happening in that reactive sidestep cutting scenario, it's like, well, that can't, like, that doesn't make sense. So from that paper, we propose that they've got this cautious approach that they implement when doing those unanticipated tasks. It's one of those, oh, shit moments. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I'm going to give myself a little bit more time here. (laughs) Yeah. So, um... Yeah, we propose that like cautious approach and then those practical implications of like, well, what if they're doing that at training? So essentially they're not training at the speed that they're going to have to withstand in match and they're not training with the cognitive demands that they're going to have to experience in match. So if you can stimulate that environment more in match, then you're more likely to have that loading, like tolerance to load um, when you're actually executing the task. So that I found really interesting. And then the other thing that's sort of piquing my interest is, as you said, the um, the scenario in which ACL injuries are current or in the most recent season yeah. um, has sort of shifted to that more contact rather than non-contact. So um, using the same methodology that I used in my honours, I'm now characterising all the injuries from, I think I finished honours with the data from 2020, so every season from 2020, so the last couple of seasons. Yeah. Um, to kind of get an understanding of if that scenario has changed or if it's um, shifted more to the second um, predominant injury scenario, which we proposed as the unbalanced state scenario. Um, So, yeah, that's sort of piquing my interest at the moment is trying to understand how not only the game styles change, but then how that's then being reflected in how ACL injuries are happening. Yeah. Cool. See, it's not too nerdy. It's pretty good. I felt hella nerdy. That's that's the best part. Maybe you had a half an hour to go hella nerdy. Yeah, my brain hurts. Practically, what <laughs> what do you want to come from all three technically studies? Uh, I want to say ACL injury rates drop. Yeah. 
Like I won't. What What do you deem acceptable? Like if we get it to three to four times. Yeah. Um, What's it currently? So the highest I've seen is nine times. And yeah, I'm going to leave it. Yeah, I won't go into that other stuff. <laughs> but yeah, nine times. Yeah. Um, that's the highest I've seen it. I think that was in like 2018. So it yeah. has come down a little bit, but it's yeah. still like six or seven times. Yeah. And if you then compare that to other team sports with like female versus male, it's that's only like three to four times mm-hmm. higher. Like women are more likely to do it than males. Yeah. So if we get down to that rate, like I'd be, I'd be like, yep, cool. Like we're finally getting, getting a handle on what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Then what? And <laughs> just reshape. Find another broken part to work <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, let, let's have a look at shoulders, shall <laughs> oh, we? No, shoulders scare me. I hate shoulders. Well, it's even my least favorite thing to rehab, and I've been doing so many of them recently, and I'm so over shoulders. <laughs> yeah, shoulders are a lot. Shout out shoulder crew. So I'm so done. Oh no, that's <laughs> too many. <laughs> Poor shoulders. Just anything. AC, disso. I don't want. I don't want to hear about it. Yeah, that's fair enough. They seem tricky. I don't know. I don't know a lot about shoulders, so that's your department. <laughs> We don't need to get it. Yeah. But it could even be like like even from a concussion space. Like yep. if I find that post-concussion you're at risk of doing an ACL injury, it's like, okay, well, let's reevaluate how we're doing return to, return to play post-concussion. Yep. So I don't know. It can have an array of implications, I think. Mm-hmm. What's – let's shift away from knees. Mm. What about injury prevention in general? <laughs> your thoughts on the term? Um, it's a term that everyone loves to have an opinion on, which is why I wanted to ask you about it. Personally... Sports science, high performance, doesn't matter what field you come on. Let's just call sports science in general as an industry. Jeez. Yeah, I know, right? I think... I mean, I personally don't have a better term to propose. Yeah. I think the... Um, ideas behind like ideas around the intention behind it yeah could potentially shift yeah what would you like to shift to i know from a vis perspective especially in rowing like it's injury prevention but essentially we're trying to build robust and resilient athletes so that they can perform two favorite words yeah Yeah. so it's like you want to set yourself, set your athlete up for success. So you want to tick off those boxes around, okay, well, if we know that you're doing this sport and this is an at-risk injury associated with that sport, we're going to prep you for that. Yeah. Like I feel like that's just a smart approach to things. Yeah. Um, I think in the AFLW space, um, injury prevention is challenging at the moment because yep. – we don't have all the information, we don't have all the data, we don't have specific enough research specifically in AFLW. Stable population. Yeah. Either. Yeah. So it's like, it's tricky. And that's why I can understand the prep to play program when it saw all the ACL injuries happen in 2017. It was like, okay, let's just put something together. What research do we have? Oh shit, we got no research. Okay, let's have a look at um, other female team sports. Okay, landing, huge one. So let's put in some stuff about landing. Um, And then let's pull on some things specific to AFL. Okay, like let's have a look at this paper. That's um, ACL injuries in in the men's competition. So I can understand why they did it the way they did it because they needed to do it. Um, But now it's like 
we need to be specific about what we're doing and why we're doing it and how we're going to do it, which takes research and it takes time. But um, I think injury prevention as a loose term is okay. Yeah. But it's like be specific in what you want to be do. better. Yeah. yeah. What terms do you have? What would you want uh, to change it to? I, I don't like – sport is naturally chaotic. Yeah. And in my opinion, AFL is the hardest sport in the world physiologically. Mm-hmm. Because it's high speed, it's 360, it's cognitive, it's not linear, mm. it's in the elements, it's not yeah. in a closed stadium all the time, mm. it's on a wide field. Yeah. <laughs> Go into as many details as you like. So physiologically, I actually think it's the hardest sport in the world and I'm happy to argue that with anyone. <laughs> but knowing that sport, especially AFL for an example, well, we're just going to talk about AFL here, that it is chaotic and it's 360 mm. and etc. what I just spoke about then. Injuries aren't preventable to an extent. Yeah. There you can mitigate, but you can't mm. prevent. There's no, never will there ever be a season of any sport ever in any field age group that there won't be an injury. Yeah. There's injuries in under 10s. Yeah. Well, There's you look at. Injuries in over 60s. Like it's, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So and the, the term of prevention, I hate. Because mm. when we talk about and knowing where the word prevention comes from, from a health industry. mm Diseases can be preventable to yeah. an extent. Yeah. Injuries, little different. So I, is there a good overarching umbrella term? Maybe not. Mm. I, I like the, I, I use, oh, I tend to go with the uh, injury, injury risk mitigation. Mm. Like just knock it on the head. Yeah. And you know, this, well, I'll shout out Ben here. It's, we have this term, we don't do dumb shit. Yeah. Like, just don't do dumb shit. And you're ticking yeah. box number one already. What yeah. were you going to say before? Um... Well, it's kind of like in terms of AFL versus like rowing, for example, we know what injuries yeah. you're going to get in rowing. Like it's yeah. pretty, like it's in a controlled environment yeah. to, a, like to an extent. extent. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, we can prevent or we can mitigate that yeah. as best as we can. Yeah. Whereas in AFL, like as you said, it's so like 360, like yeah. you've got demands everywhere. You just don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. And then also in terms of that ACL perspective, you can have non-contact injuries, but then you can also have non-contact uh, contact, contact injuries. Yeah. And that's just like bad luck. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially. Like if you get jammed in a spot and you're going full valgus, yep. like there's nothing you can do I'm about it. Sport. There's a reason that the world loves sport as much as we do. Mm. It's because it's chaos. It's because yeah. it's, it's we did it before. It's inviting. We want to get better at it. It's competitive. So mm. it taps into the natural instincts of being a human. Yeah. And then you combine that. You, 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 I like to use the term of like putting Hyundai i20 brakes in a Ferrari. It's going to break eventually. Mm. So when you're trying to get the 1% that we were talking about before out of anyone, whether they're a human or an athlete, something's going to break. Yeah. You can adapt that to business. If you're trying to reach peak performance with some of your workers, they're going to break eventually. Yes, it's not physical, but it might be mental or social or something has to give for yeah. something else to gain. And I think a lot of people forget that part of it is not always do we need to pump stuff in. Sometimes we can take stuff away. Yeah. And that's like my biggest thing. It was like injury risk mitigation is coming down to don't do dumb shit. Yeah. Just do the, do if you the have things a diesel that you car, know that Don't works. put fucking petrol in it. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. Do the things that you know work yeah. and do them really, really well. Yeah. And then. Understand the demands. Yeah. Meet the demands. Kind of over meet the demands, but don't do dumb shit. Yeah. Should we end it on that one? I think it's pretty good. Don't do dumb shit, folks. Don't do dumb shit, quote. <laughs> ben Frith. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out, Ben. <laughs> All right, Tess. 
any more for any more? What's your heart rate? What do we finish on? We're going to wrap it up. 64. Yeah. <laughs> we dropped a solid 20 beats. We got there. All right. On that note, Tess is at 64. She's chill. She's going to go do a I workout I need to go now. train now. Yeah, we're going to do a workout. Well, I'm not going to do a workout. You're going to do a workout because my Steph's readiness is me. still 10. So thank you for coming on, Tess. Um, I didn't have to handcuff you to the chair. You did well. <laughs> you're going to do another one, so. No, I'm done. No, you're not. Surprise. Who's? Who else do you think? May. Maybe. Well, May's coming on. Oh, Steph, 100%. Steph is also coming on. i got so many people on my list, but I will stick you and Viney in a room together. Cause oh, Because I want to talk, talk about coach-athlete relationship. Yeah, so okay. That's a good one for you too. Yeah, that'll be fun. So on that cliffhanger, see you, everyone. Bye. Thanks for coming. Have a good day. Oh. <laughs>